Good morning, everybody. All right, you sound good this morning. I want to take just a second, look into the camera, and welcome those of you that are watching online right now at shilohoutreach.com. I also want to give a big shout out to all of you that are listening to our podcast now uh, that way. We just started that up not long ago, and uh, it's really took off, and so we appreciate everybody that's watching that way as well. I want to give a big shout out to all of you ladies at our campus at the Claiborne County Detention Center and the Wild Bunch at the Tazewell location. We are one church wherever you are. So let's come together and give each other a great big hand. Would you do that right now? Awesome. All right, everybody. Listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's National Ice Cream Sunday. Come on, somebody. Any ice cream people in the house? But good news, because on your way out, they'll be giving out ice creams. Where can you go to church and get an ice cream, everybody? Ice, that's right. Right here you can. <laughs> and so, and, uh, so ice cream Sunday today, and we'll just have some fun with that. I love that, uh, that. We're in a series that we're doing, and this is the final part of the series today. Uh, but probably one of the more controversial series that we've done in a long time. And uh, so, but we weren't reaching for that. We weren't trying to be controversial. Uh, just trying to take on issues that are very seldom talked about in church and things that are just uh, kind, of, kind of difficult issues to handle. And uh, in part one, we talked about everything happens for a reason. You ever heard that? Everything happens for a reason. Well, not quite. Not quite. And so we're going to look at that. To, uh, if you want to go back, shilohoutreach.com. And, uh, and, and kind of explain that a little bit there. Part two was a, was a message that I titled, Disqualified by Divorce. Disqualified by Divorce. And I said, is that true? And did Jesus say that? So we, we worked on that one uh, quite a bit that, uh, a couple weeks ago. And then last week, we talked about women. Uh, can women preach? And I was like, like I said, very, very controversial, difficult things to, to go at. But we, what we try to do is... Look at the scriptures without a bias or without our, our own angle or trying to grab a verse and make it say what we want it to say, but rather looking at the scriptures in this series in a way that, that goes all the way across the board, that, that where everything is in context and where it lines up with the rest of scripture. What I've learned is, is that if I stay in context and I stay into, like say I'm in the New Covenant or New Testament and this verse that, that I'm reading doesn't really necessarily line up with the way I'm seeing this one, then the problem is I'm not seeing the verse the right way. It's not a problem in the Word of God. It's a problem with my perception of the verse. And so I have to dig a little more and pray a little more till I can get an understanding of what it says. And so we just put ourselves in neutral and, uh, and, and try to look at it that way, going through some very difficult things. Most of these messages, I've actually had people contact me and say, I'm leaving and here's why. And so, so we just so we go at the message. I got one more today of I'm leaving and here's why. Uh, a couple years ago, I did a, a, a message on, uh, I talked about tithing message. And, and I know it, like all you got to do is say the word in a tense. I mean, it's like tension all the way across the board. But um. I did a message on that, and a guy contacted me right after, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, that Sunday, and he said, I'm leaving, that's Old Testament, it's the law, and goodbye. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even go into it. I thought, what's the point? I am not arguing, you know, over stuff like that. And so uh, I just, I let it go. And uh, so today, we're going to look at that, though, a little deeper. And, uh, and you've heard this said before, um, you've heard said that, probably a lot of you have, is that, well, it's the, the tithing principle or the tithing predated the law because Abraham tithed. And so we're going, what we're going to do, though, is look at that today. And, and just to kind of break the ice a little bit here and to try to give everybody a breather, this is not a message on money. Somebody say amen. Praise God. I invited that new person there. They're going to do money. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to do that today. And so, but we're going to talk a little bit about that. But what I really want to go at is I want to talk about order. I want to talk about the order of everything in our lives and, uh, and, and how that works. And uh, we're going to look at that verse that people talk about uh, in Genesis and see exactly what the order was for this. This is important. It's important in everything, not just in this, this tithing thing that we're going to talk about at first, but in a lot of other things as we're going to see, okay? So Genesis, we're going to start off Genesis chapter 14, 
Verse 17 through 20, here it goes. Abram returned from his victory over that word. (laughs) Somebody was like, I wonder if he'll get that one right. I did, didn't I? And all, (laughs) that's funny. I don't care what you say. That was funny. And all of his allies, the king of Sodom, went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of the Most High God, brought Abram some bread and wine. I want you to keep that in mind. He brought bread and wine, which we know today is a symbolic of communion, okay? And the Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God uh, Most High, creator of heaven and earth, okay? And he says, and blessed be the Most High God who has defeated your enemies. I want you to keep that in mind for just a minute, okay? He defeated the enemies. This is what's, what you're, what you're going to see today happened after Abraham's victory. Not to get to it. That's where I'm going with all this today, okay? And then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. And so you see the bread and wine come. You see the communion that's indicative or, or, or symbolic of that. And then you see also Abraham giving. He did give, but Abraham did not give to get the victory. Abraham gave because he had already got the victory. Are you with me so far? So what we're going to talk about today is order in everything. We're going to look at order, not just when it comes to to giving or anything like that, but, but order in everything. See, the truth of the matter is, and this is just simply this, is that we are given before giving. Everybody say that with me. We've got to slow this down a little bit and let this get in you for just a minute. Are you ready? Do this with me. We are given before giving. Given before giving. You see, a lot of times, and especially in religious circles, especially in a lot of religious circles, it's always you try to got to do to get. You know, you do, you know, something. It's like we, we think we're going we're gonna to earn it. It's like a, it's a natural thing for people to do that, I think. It's a flesh thing, not a spiritual thing or a God thing, but it is a natural thing. It's a, it's a flesh thing to, to, to see it the other way around. It take, it's a God thing to understand that we're actually given before we're giving. And so what I want to look at is that order today for a little bit. I want to look at three different things here that we're going to learn from that verse. And so let's start with the money thing first. Let's get that one out of the way, everybody, all right? And so here it goes. We are given the victory. I think you're going to agree with me on this before we give a tenth of anything. We're given the victory first. How many of you know that Jesus has already gave the victory? We have been given the victory. That is finished. That is completed. (laughs) Let me say it this way. Plus nothing adds a lot of meaning to that, everybody. You don't have to add a thing to that. And so we have been given the victory. And so therefore, when we do give, okay? And I'll go into, this is not a message on that today. And I'll go into that some other day. But when we do that... We do that because we have received the victory, not to get the victory, you see. And and that's the problem. i got to get on my soapbox just for a minute. I won't stay on it long. But that's the problem that I have with prosperity giving. Prosperity giving. You know, know, you've heard it. If you'll give, you know, you'll get more. And if you'll give, you're going to get rich and all this kind of stuff. And, and, And here's a thing that's kind of just a little bit of a slant on that is that There is a principle there of sowing and reaping that works 100% of the time. And that's why that message, the prosperity gospel, has has been so successful for people. It's because they've tapped into a principle that actually works. It does work. You're not going to outgive God. And I've never seen anyone go broke giving before. Okay, I I mean, I'm still waiting on that one. But, But at the same time, the last thing that the Word teaches us and that God wants from us is to give out of greed. To give so that we can get more. That's not the heart of God, you see. We, we give because we've received the victory. And so we don't do any of that prosperity type thing. And then the other thing, and I'll give you a, a, a couple of ideas here on this, is the religious way. Now, a lot of folks, maybe some of you do it this way. It's a religious thing. It's the law. Or whatever. Or it's just what I'm supposed to do it, you see. 
And so we do something because we're supposed to do it. And, or, and, and then here's what happens. You feel condemnation when you don't. If you want to know whether or not you're doing something from a legalistic standpoint, then what happens when you don't? You, if you feel condemned, I want to remind you today that there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And so we certainly don't do it for that reason. We don't do it to get more. I mean, you know, if you want to get more so you can give more, then praise the, you know, praise the Lord for that. Your heart could be in the right place there. But if it's just so you could heap up more stuff, how many of you know that's not the heart of God? And, and, and so, we, you know, Genesis here, and Abram, he's teaching us this. And, and, and Jesus, he addresses this issue. And really, he addresses it in the same way that, that this is where I got that from, as a matter of fact. Let me show it to you. Matthew chapter 23, okay? 23 and 23. What sorrow awaits you? Now, what, who's he going after here? Jesus is going after the religious folks. I would like to remind you today that Jesus jumped on to the religious people all the time and never said a word negative to the broken people. He picked them up. If we want to be like Jesus, we pick up the broken people. And, well, I don't know about... <laughs> but we, can, we could read Jesus to the religious. How about that? <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law? See, there he's going, he's going to line them out here. He or a hypocrite, he says. He says, for you are careful to tithe the tiniest income from herb gardens, you know. Then he goes on to say, but you ignore, watch this, the more important aspects of the law. Here it goes, justice, mercy, and faith. He says, you, you, you do this for religious reasons, and you're not doing it from the heart, you see. He says, should you tithe? Yes. Jesus said, yeah, you should do that. And, he, and he'll explain to us why here in just a second. He says, but don't neglect the more important things, you see. And what I'm trying to present to you today is order is everything. And the motives for why we do what we do accounts here. And so, and, and so you, you see, so it, it begs that question. Then if you spin on forward to the New, Te New Testament post-resurrection, where Paul is explaining to the church in Corinthians a little about about this, the heart of things, 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, he says, you must decide in your what? Heart. How much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I'm going to promise you something. If you, you, as long as you're here, you're not going to get responses to pressure. We don't live by pressure. We live within our means. We live on a budget here at the church. We don't, I've never had to stand up here and think, oh, I sure hope this works out today. You know, we don't have enough money for this or whatever. We don't live that way, everybody. I had a business background. I own my own business, and I run it the way it's supposed to be done. You know, we, we live in margin and, and, and within our means. And so we're not in a strain like that. And so he said, don't give, we don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure because you shouldn't have that. It's wrong to pressure people, you see. And he says, for God loves a person who gives how? Right here. Right here, Taswell. From the heart. And that's, that's what God, it's the heart that the Lord is after, you see. It's the heart. And, and, and he doesn't want us uh, bound up by legalism or some prosperity gospel or all that. And then you see in all of this, Another part of this giving, you know, uh, giving before giving uh, principle that I'm trying to teach today, and it's just simply this. Here it is. It is that we're giving love from God, okay, before giving love in return. Now, so let me explain it. I have heard people say this over the years several times. I just, I don't, I don't think I have the love for God that I need or should have. Or I see somebody else that has more than I do. And I don't, what's wrong with me or that kind of thing, you see. I'm going to explain what's wrong with you. I'm going to help you here, okay. My name is David and I'm your friend and I'm going to help you, okay. The reason that you're having a hard time understanding uh, your love for God or having a love for God is because you've never received love from him. And the reason that you've not received love from him is because you just simply don't feel like you deserve it. It's hard for us to accept something unless we feel we deserve it. 
We'll take it to that level. And then at the same time, turn around and say, oh, I want more of God. I want more of God's presence. But can I tell you today that God is love? And you're not going to have more of the presence of God because God is love unless you're willing to receive the love that he already has for you. And you cannot earn it, folks. You cannot earn it. It's, agape, is, agape in the Greek is, is the word for love here. It's a directional love that we see. And, and this directional love is love that has already decided to love you. Think about that way. It's directional. It's, it, 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 it's, it points like this, agape does. We call it unconditional love or whatever. But it's, it's a directional love. It's the kind of love that said God's made up his mind. He loves you. And can I add this to it? Whether you accept it or not. Oh. Whether you're good or not. Whether you behave or not. Should you behave? <laughs> Absolutely. But I tell you, I was reading one time, Luke 172, and Zacharias, he John the Baptist he is his dad, you see. And he's, he's prophesying into the future. And he says this, he says, that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness all the days of our life. And I read that and it dawned on me. I thought, you know, that we're the motive, what God wants for us, the reason Jesus went to the cross and demonstrated love is so that we could serve him without fear of religion. Without the fear of the rules and the regulations and do to get there and all that kind of stuff. No. What, what, what did he want? He wanted love to be the motivation. He wanted our love for him to be the motivation to do the right thing. And let me say this. If love doesn't motivate you to do the right thing, my friends, nothing will. There's not enough religious rules in the whole world to motivate somebody to do the right thing if love doesn't do it. And so we see the order here, 1 John 4, 19, says it this way. It says, we love him because, because he first loved us, you see. Now let me give you another one to think about. Another giving, given before giving, okay? Here it goes. We're given forgiveness before giving forgiveness. This is important if you're struggling with this. Very important if you're struggling with forgiving somebody, okay? Now, I'm not going to make light of what people do to people. And sometimes it is absolutely mind-blowing to me. Can I be honest with you today? I mean, I'm, I cannot believe sometimes what people are willing to do to others. It, I just can't even get my head around it. It's mind-blowing. But this is for everybody. Everybody, online, ladies' detention center, Tazewell, everybody, we're all in the same boat here. If you weighed out your sins against God versus someone else against you, how would that work? Every time, thought, deed, whatever that you... And if you can understand, watch this, if you can understand how much you have been forgiven of, and friends, you will receive the power to forgive others. You'll have the, you'll have the ability to do that. I mean, the, what the Word tells us is some harsh things on this. I mean, it's, it's hard in a way to hear. One, one of the verses talks about the principle of sowing and reaping. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you, but, but... But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you, sowing and reaping. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, watch this. He said, instead, here's another way to look at it, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? Because you've been forgiven. You know, and if you've not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you've not been, I'll give you a chance here in just a minute for that. But you can certainly leave here that way. And, 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 and so forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Has forgiven you. That's the order, you see. That's the order. And when you talk about this, if you look at this in, 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 a, in a way of order, 
You know, if you take that verse in Abraham, you know, and, and, and where he said there in Romans that it was given to us as an example, you see, for this. So we could understand it's a way that the, the Lord can show us examples in the Old Testament like that. And we get this example there of order. And all of this we, that we see happening here every step of the way is so that we can have our hearts set in the right place. So let me, let me explain this about the giving thing because it's so, so much tension. I mean, you can almost say the word in church and you can just feel it. I mean, tension everywhere. And, 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 and I, it shouldn't be that way. I don't, I don't want it to be that way. Because, you know what, the Lord, he doesn't want us to give out of need. There's no need, so you can relax there. And, and you know what it's about? It's about our heart, and it's about us learning to, watch this, it's about us learning to trust his provision. The word in the, in the Old Testament is Jehovah-Jireh. The word Jireh, is, uh, it's, it means to see, is what it is. It means to see, like a gyroscope, you know, or you look through it the word jira means to see and what it and what jehovah jira means is is that jehovah is um yahweh vav hey which is it means the god who was the god who is and the god who is to come it's all the aspects there and then jira means he the god who was is and is to come he sees in other words watch this he sees your need before you need it and he'll take care of you you see and, and, and Jesus explains this principle in Matthew chapter 6. Okay, here it goes. He says, Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body or what you'll wear. How many of you know that? How many of you have been around long enough to know this? We worry about things that never happen, everybody, most of the time. I'm the only one. There's two of us. Praise God. Okay. Therefore... I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you'll eat or drink or about your body, but what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body and more than clothes? And he goes on to say, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying... Can we do it that way? Can we worry about something and accomplish anything? That's what he's asking. He says, can we do that? And you know what's the problem here with this worrying? Worry is the opposite of faith and trust. It is the very opposite of that, you see. And so when we go into the worry about everything all the time, it's the very opposite of it. And he says, can you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And then he goes on to say, and why do you worry about clothes? See, the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And then he goes on to say, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into a fire... Will he not much more clothe you? And then watch this. He caps it up here. You of little faith. He tells us that it's the opposite of faith when we worry. You know, and so here you see that, that worry, and, and he's talking about giving two-thirds of the time. But I tell you, but Jesus didn't have any money. He wasn't taking money from anyone. He, didn't, he wasn't interested in anything like that. But he talked about it all the time. And the reason is because he knew that where, where we put that, that's where our heart will be. You see, when you're young, you follow your heart. When you get some sense, <laughs> come on, somebody. <laughs> when you're young, you follow your heart. Until you follow it off a cliff a time or two. You realize that rascal cannot be trusted. And then what you do, you learn hopefully at some point in life that the heart is something that, has, that must be led, not followed. So we lead it. And Jesus explains how. He's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. I mean, if you ever think about it this way, have you gotten something before that you dreamed of all these years? You know, I mean, maybe as a new car or, or, or something like that, or you're, you know, and, and, and what, where was your at? Your heart was there right for that moment. Your treasure was there and your heart was there. And, and, that, and that's what he's telling us here. 
He's not trying to try to extract or pull stuff from people, you know, or something like that. And he certainly doesn't want us giving so out of greed so we can get more or giving for religious reasons. He knows this. He knows everybody. It guides our hearts. And I, my pastor told me this one time. He, I was just discouraged, and somebody left here that was really good friends with me, and I was so discouraged over it. You know, that, that hurts us, and, and, uh, and we're, we're real people, everybody, can I tell you? <laughs> and, uh, and he told me, he said, David, he said, I'll tell you this. He said, he said you've not looked, I know, he said, but uh, he said, if you look at their giving, he said, they'll always stop giving at least three months before they leave, 90% of the time, he said. I said, really? He said, absolutely. I've been a pastor for over 40 years, and 90% of the time, he said, and here's what happens. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And when it's not there, the heart is not there anymore. And then, and it's a drift away, you see. And I've seen that. And so that's what Jesus is saying here. Listen, God's worried about this, everybody. He's worried about this in us. So let's trust him. Let's trust him. Let's work in the opposite of that. Let me give you three things here really quick to trust him with. The first is to trust his love for you. Trust that. And trust that in spite of your past. Trust that in spite of what you have done. Trust that in spite of how you're living right now. And allow that love to motivate you to turn. To motivate you to change, you see. And to to go in the right direction. Because that's the intent. That was the intent here of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What was the purpose in this? The purpose was so that we could trust him and we could have faith in his love for us because it's his love for us that changes us. You see, the scripture tells us that love covers a multitude of sins, everybody. And I know it's hard to think, well, you know, but, but, but I just want to say this. And it's kind of a firm way to say it. I really don't know a better way to say it, but I, want, I, but I do want you to hear it this way. Your past is not more powerful than the cross. So it doesn't matter where you come from or what you've done or how bad, all that kind of stuff. Your past is not more powerful than the cross, everybody. And we can allow the love of God to get into our hearts and flood our souls. It'll change our lives. It'll change us, you see. You see, the truth of the matter is, in 1 John 4, 19, he says this. He says, we love because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. The second thing is this, to trust his forgiveness. To trust his forgiveness. Okay? And that's, uh, I know, sometimes hard to do because we get this. We, we really, I know nobody means to do this, but we really can magnify the enemy when, you know what I mean? Like, if you go into the wrong direction or something, you're not doing well or whatever, we really can give the devil a lot of glory, especially in the mountains. Come on, mountain people. Who am I talking to here? The devil made me do it, right? Or whatever, you know, it's that devil. Everything's a devil, devil under every rock, you know. And I think that's just a natural kind of thing to go to. But, but I, and you know what? I think sometimes we focus so much on what the enemy has done in our life that we don't give glory to God for what he's doing. Let me say it one more time. Sometimes we focus so much on what the enemy has done that we can't see what God is doing and we miss it you see let's not give him any glory let's accept the love of God and, and trust his forgiveness and move forward let me show you Psalm 85, 86 and 5 here oh Lord you are so good let me ask you something those that are watching no matter where you are right now and those of you at the Tassel location ladies everybody in here okay Do you believe that? See, a lot of the problem that we have, and especially the more religious your background. You know, religion, I'm going to define religion for you because we don't use that in a good way here. Religion is do and get there. Do and receive. All that. Do for works. 
you see. That's religion for you, rules and regulations. And de- but you know what's hard? When you live in that, it is very hard to see God as good. You fear the judgment and the condemnation of the Lord in every move that you make. And I tell you, it's a very hard life to live. And David had this picture, a man after God's own heart, a picture. And he said, Lord, you are so good, watch this, and so ready to forgive. Wow. So full of unfailing love for all, all, everybody say that with me, I love it. For all who ask, can it be that simple? It is that simple, everybody. For all who ask, all is all. All is everybody, you see. And then Ephesians 4 and 32, he says, instead of this, be kind to each other, be tenderhearted, and forgive one another. So when you realize and you receive the love of God and the forgiveness of God, then you're empowered to forgive others, and, and your heart is changed. It's tender. You're, you become tender and, and different in your heart, and then you're able, listen to me, you're able to forgive others of their wrong. And, and then you learn in the whole process that that forgiveness, it frees you. See, what the enemy does is that the enemy gets us in, a, in, a, in this world, right? You know, where that we just focus on what he's done and all of the attacks and all of the things are focused on what somebody else has done and everything and then become bitter inside. And when we do, we hold that and it, and it changes us. That's what, you know what? It's not what somebody has done to you it's so much as what the enemy's trying to do and he's trying to change who you are. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to change who you are, you see. And if we forgive, then he'll let you let that go. So that's why he said forgiving one another just as, how do you do it? As God, through Christ, has forgiven you, you see. You weigh it out. You make a decision, you see. Which one? And, and, and once you decide, I mean, in my case, I can do like this. And that's pretty easy for me to say, whoa. And then I can say, okay, since I have been forgiven so much, I'm going to take the same love that's been poured into me and I'm going to use that to empower me to forgive others. And then I'll walk away free. And I'll tell you what I learned. 32 years old, everybody. A little later on learning this. 32 and didn't know a Bible verse that I know of. I don't even think I could have quoted John 3.16 at the time. But I tell you what, I had an experience with God. I had an experience with God that changed my life. And I can tell you this, there's nothing better in the whole world than being forgiven and being free and being filled with the Spirit of God. Nothing better in the world than that. And when people ask me, would you think about, well, you're going back. To what? Why would you do that? No. No, I'm not going back. I've walked into freedom. You know, and so, and you have an opportunity, listen, you have an opportunity right now to do that. An opportunity to, be, to, to walk out of here different, to walk out of the Tazewell location different, to, ladies, to walk back different. If you're online, to be different. Permanently, you see. And all you have to do is just simply receive the love of God that has been demonstrated on the cross for you. Receive it. Not, not, not earn it. The enemy, that's what he is. I think the enemy is the, he's like the, the master of religion. And so he speaks to people like, he'll speak to you right now maybe. Oh, well, when you get this out of your life, then you could, you could receive Jesus. Or when you stop doing this, then you could get better. Oh, yeah, we've got to get this out of the way first, and, and you've got to get this fixed. And the whole time, the truth of the matter is, you don't get good to get to God. You get God to get good, everybody. That's the order. That's what we're talking about today, order. And you're not going to earn it or get there. I mean, imagine for just a minute if you did, what would happen? I mean, I don't know about you, but I can give you my story. I would have been like, oh, 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 yeah. God are done. Got a few problems fixed. Me and the Lord were like this. Instead, I had to come exactly like I was 
And he changed. And then you know what happens at the end of that? He got all the glory for it. Listen to me. You got an opportunity right now to do that. And it's not hard and you're not going to earn it. It's none of those things. It's an order. And you got an opportunity to put your life in order. And I'm going to do this in such a way I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to call you up to the front, none of that. And the reason is because I believe this is just between you and the Lord. I don't save anybody, nobody else. It's just between you and the Lord. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. Close your eyes. And I'm going to, at all the locations right now, all of us in the same place here. I don't know who God is dealing with right now. But I know this, you know. You know if the Lord's dealing with you or not. So while the team comes this way and help me here, with every head down, eyes closed for just a minute, I want to give you an opportunity to be a part of a prayer. Now here's all you have to do. I'm doing the prayer to help you because sometimes we just don't know what to say. I mean, you may come from a background and you just don't know, and I'm going to help you with that part of it. But all you have to do is mean it. You just have, If you'll mean it, it'll take. The Lord will respond. And if God's been dealing with you right now, and you just want to say yes to him. You want to be a part of that prayer. And you just want to say yes. Would you do this right now? Would you just lift your hand up boldly and say, that's me. I see you. God bless you. I see you here. God bless you. I see you right here. God bless you over here. I see you. I see you over here on this side. Yes. God bless you. It's Taz. Well, God bless you all. God bless you all right now. Ladies at the detention center, God bless you. I'm telling you, God's responding to this right now. He's, he's going to respond to this. So when we say this prayer, just, just mean it, okay? Just let it come out of your heart directly to Him. Let's pray this if we would. Lord Jesus, today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And today I will believe that the price you have paid on the cross is more than enough for the sins I have committed. Today, I will trust you as both Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everybody give the Lord a hand of praise. Would you do that? All right. Taswell, we're going to do this today. Taswell's going to stay with us today. We're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to come together for all of this, for the service, and just we're going to finish it out together today. We, uh, I want to ask you if you would, at both locations, there's a cup in front of you right there in your seat, a communion, if you would grab that and, uh, and, and just stand with me for just a minute. We're going to do this together, and I want to show you a couple of verses here, and, uh, but th this is another one of those things. Now, so I don't know how many times people have told me, and it may be it, it, anyone under the sound of my voice, you've heard this before, that, that you, you have to be in perfect condition to receive communion. They, have you heard that? That you do this and you're worthy of death. I mean, they'll read Corinthians. And, <laughs> and, and here's the thing. The old English word is he said, if you do this unworthily, well, and a, lot of, and a lot of people just, they didn't know better. I mean, you know, honestly. And, and so they, uh, the, they say, well, if you do this uh, and you're unworthy, then you'll do it to, to your own damnation. I mean, it's hard language. But the word unworthily in the old English is not the word unworthy. It's two different words. And, and, and Paul here, in context, is he is talking to the Corinthian church because they're not receiving communion really in the right way. They're doing it as a party, a big food thing and a party. And so he's having to set some order in that church. And he says, if you do this in an unworthy manner, well, what would be an unworthy manner? An unworthy manner is doing it any other way than recognizing Jesus, you see. That, that's an unworthy manner. As long as we do this and we recognize him and do this in remembrance of him, that's what he told us to do. 1 Corinthians 11 and 24, he said, when he gave thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, uh, which is for you. Do this, how? In remembrance of me. That's how you do it. And I won't say this, and I don't, I don't mean to sound hard or mean to anybody, but can I just tell you the truth? I mean, the best way that I can. You're only worthy because of the blood of Jesus anyway, everybody. You're not going to get there that way, okay? 
You'll pull your hair out. You'll get tired of it. You'll quit. All that, you're not, it's not, no, listen. We are worthy because of what he has done. And today, as you know, Representative Milkeek said it. He brought bread and wine, communion. When did he do it? After after Abraham had received the victory. When do we receive the communion? After Jesus has already given us the victory, you see. We do this because we've received the victory, not to get the victory. Are y'all with me? And so I want to ask you to tear that first, the first part apart right there and the bread that's on top. And I want to pray over us right now. And I want you to know today that this... This represents his body that was broken for us. And I, and I can't, I wish I had time to go into all the detail of that. But when they pierced that crown of thorns down on his head, that was so that you could have peace of mind. Those of you that are struggling right now with peace of mind, can I tell you, he's already paid the price for your peace of mind. And when he took those stripes on his back, it was for your healing. For by his stripes, you are healed, physically healed. When they pierced his hands, hands represent what we do. He paid the price for what we have done in his hands. So can I tell you today, it's already finished. It's done. And today we do this in remembrance of him, everybody. And let's just allow the love of God to motivate us today. As we hold this up, Lord, right now, Lord, I thank you so much for paying a price for us, Lord, so that we could be healed. Healed in our minds, healed from the past, healed in our hearts. Lord, they pierced yours so that ours could be healed. You received those stripes, Lord, so that we could receive healing in our bodies today. Lord, we, we believe that today. We declare that today. And Lord, we thank you for that. And today we receive this, this body broken, Lord, the body that was broken, your body, we receive this today in your holy name, the name of Jesus. Amen. When you peel this next one back, be careful. It can kind of pop out of there on you. This one's important to me. I always admire people, and I mean this too. I admire people that get saved at a young age, but children that that's get saved, I mean, you just think, how much trouble and life has been, you know, but I was older. And I have to look at this and think, you know, it's hard for me to get, you know, you know what I'm saying? It, 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 it's kind of hard to get a hold of sometimes. And, and, and to know that I know that he, I was forgiven and he had changed my heart and he, I was just different. And when we receive communion, I can, I can look into this and, and think how powerful his blood is. Powerful. More powerful than your past. <laughs> See, and, and, and again in Corinthians, let's just stay with the word here. He said in the same way after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. That word today we'll use a lot, but a, a testament or a covenant, but I'll say it for mountain folks so you can understand it. It's the new deal, everybody. You get a new deal. And a covenant's more powerful than a deal. I understand that. But I'm just I'm trying to help you with that, to understand this, that we are forgiven and free. It's new, you see. And we do that today. It's in his blood. And whenever we do this, we do it in remembrance of him. That's a worthily way. So, Lord, right now, I thank you. I thank you for shedding blood so that I could be forgiven and I could be free. And Lord, today as we recognize that and we, we receive that today, I, I pray for each and every one under the sound of my voice that it empowers them to forgive others as well. And so Lord, today I thank you for that. Today we honor you. And, and, and we do this today in remembrance of you. And again, in your holy name we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, all right. 
All right, everybody, we're staying together. We're going to do these songs together, everybody. We're trying to merge here with the Tazewell location. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to do an old one. They're going to do an old one. we got a baptisms. They're coming up. Get ready for that. And some of, some of the younger people are going to be struck right now. They don't know what to think about this. And some of you all around my age, around in somewhere in that neighborhood, this is going to be all like new, uh, old school to you. So let's do an old one. I heard an old story. Anybody remember that? Let's do it. That's what I hope for, and 
out of this message today is just to help you. If you see some place in your life where that the orders are wrong, then if you'll line up with the order of God, it'll be good for you. Amen. All right. Those of you that said yes, and there was a bunch. Tazel location uh, here. Uh, five, I counted here. Those at the Tazel location lifted your hands as well. Ladies at the detention center. Wow, today is all I know. Wow. And um, I want to talk to you for just a second real quick, okay? Uh, fill out a connection card for us. I'm not going to harass you. I'm never going to ask you for anything nothing like that but what I will do is send a letter out to you giving you some next steps talk to you about some next steps and everything and and uh, and uh, what to do next I know sometimes it can be scary you know we got a growth track to help you get connected we're gonna be doing we're about to launch small groups and I'm gonna be talking about community in the next few weeks and uh, circles are better than rows next week so what we're starting that series and so excited about that but but we got plenty that we can do to help you get plugged in, and we'd love to do that. So fill out that connection card. Let us know. If you want to be water baptized, fill it out. Put a phone number on there. In that case, we will call you. Or if you want a phone call, let us know. You know. But in that case, we'll call you and set up the baptisms. I missed stuff. It's on the second service the baptism is today. So, But... um. I uh, love you all so very much. This is our, we got our ways to give. Now, real quick, before I do that, I want to say this, that um, on the giving is that uh, we're, this is home folks here, everybody, that people call this church home. Uh, if you're a guest today, we're not asking for anything or anything like that. This is the, the ways that they do that up there, shallowoutreach.com. Most of it's online now, the way that it works, and then the different ways to give. There'll also be some folks at the back door. They will take those connection cards, though. We'd love to have the connection card from you or our giving. They'll meet you back there on the way out, okay? Let me pray for you right now, Lord. Thank you so much for each and every one under the sound of my voice today, Lord. We honor you in this house. We honor you with the first. We lead our hearts with the first. And so, Lord, today we just thank you so much for the opportunity to get to be a part of what you're doing in the lives of others. And, Lord, I thank you so much for those today that said yes. They said yes to you. Thank you so much for that. Lord, today we just like to say once more we honor you. I ask for your uh, blessing upon each and every one under the sound of my voice today. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you have any questions or you need prayer for anything at all, I'll be right here in the front, okay? God bless you all. We'll see you next week.